You're listening to The Shop Podcast, presented by Grey Goose Vodka. Whether it's a dinner party for 10 or a small kickback, you know the vibes will always be right if you're surrounded by your favorite people. And great company pairs best with a great cocktail. So make it a Grey Goose Martini cocktail. Impress your guests in style with an espresso martini or the always effortless classic martini with a lemon twist. No matter what you decide, everyone can appreciate the smooth, delicate taste that only a Grey Goose Vodka Martini can provide. For more info on how to craft a vodka-based cocktail, visit greygoose.com and remember to always sip responsibly. I seen him run through the hole. I swear it's the loudest I ever seen, like, shoulder passing helmet. Collision. And all I hear is crack. And you ever, like, get frightened by a noise? Of course. And I'm blocking somebody. I hear a crack. I was like, I was like, <laughs> you know, they can't really hit us no more. I'm done. We lost every game. This shit not for me. Y'all don't, y'all don't care about winning. I care about winning. I'm not about to just be losing because of y'all. I'm about to go into boxing where if I lose, it's because of me. Like, I can control, like, you know, my own destiny. So I have a very pointed opinion that some people disagree with me that, that when I show up to see you and Lomo fight mm-hmm. or whoever fighting, the part of boxing that I love is you might lose. Like, yeah. I like that you're willing to risk it. Like, you're yeah. willing to get in there. And, like, Lomo's a great fighter. Yeah. I think you're going to kick his ass, but he's yeah. a great fighter. Yeah. So, but this thing of, like, a, a great boxer never supposed to lose has become yeah. a thing. That's the difference with, with, with boxing from any other sport. Like, Steph Curry can lose a 1,000 games, and he's still great. Miss a 1,000 shots. LeBron, same thing. Jordan, whoever, football, Tom Brady, whoever it is, they can lose as many times as they want, but still be great. And boxing, they they make it. They made it. Floyd made it to where if you that's lose, what we said. you're not. You're, you're no but longer that's not great. That's true. No, I disagree with that. But, what went into like that character though? Because like me watching Snowfall, like I thought it was real life. I I fell in love with with Jerome. Like it, it just felt like real life. It felt like something that wasn't even a TV show. It felt like reality. Like I'm from Harlem. Wherever y'all from, y'all know somebody like um. Because I put that in the DNA of Unk. For sure. That this, this African-American experience, our, our uncles that, was, that loved us to the death, that go rob for us, that will love us but will kill for us, that got an unapologetic look at who they are as black men. If, sure. I, couldn't, if I couldn't import that, which is really important to me, if I couldn't import that into this character, I would have failed. So more than anything, the fact that other black men can be like, hey, yo, that's my uncle. Like me, I ain't grew up with no father. Like I always say, like, me not having no love for my father, I said, I want love from the world. If I can't get love from my father, I'll make the world love me. And that's what I went and did. I wouldn't made the world love me because I, I only wanted love from this one man, and I couldn't get it. Wow. So I said, if I can't get it from you, I'm going to make the world love me. So let me ask you this. So do you kind of owe him your career? Yeah. And it's a weird thing. Do you, do you think about that ever? Like, damn, yeah, maybe I, I owe him I definitely career. do because, like, if he was in my life, he probably would have told me, hey, that, that social media thing ain't going to work. Job, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not, you feel me? Yeah. Me, so do you think about that though? I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, that's, all a the deep, time. that's a deep thing you just said. Absolutely. I always think about it like, man, what if my father was in my life? 
his opinion would have mattered more. He'd be like, man, that's social media thing. Or go get you a job. But him not being in my life allowed me to know. Like, what if you he know ain't say now? that, though? What if he was like, go ahead, do that? That shit gives. So, I mean, he just, he just my sperm donor, so the world will never know. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Do you so, know him now? I, no, he live, in my, he live in my granddad attic. Like, that's what's crazy about it. Like, I, I only talk to him through the door. <laughs> you a dumb. <laughs> no, I think I'm Yo, you for sure? real? Yo, right. this is scary. Where's your question? Like when I when He's I come out here, he's trying to build. He's trying to build. Yo, bro. All right, man. Oh, wait, so do you slide him money under the door? Yeah, you slide him twenty some money. Yeah, yeah. I'll get him a little forty ounce. Forty feet. Yeah. Like when I come over, I, I I literally hear him stumping up the stairs. He don't want to see me. I don't know if it's an embarrassment thing or what. Do you mean literally or no? Like I'm not for real. This is the real thing. In your new movie, deals with a lot of pain, the mother and the child. How do you get, as an, as an actor, how do you get yourself? Because you could be having a lovely day, but then you show up on set and you have to convey pain. How did you do that in the new movie? I mean, I just went back to what I was literally dealing with at that moment. You know, I was six months postpartum. So I was dealing with postpartum depression. Um, and then just being back at home, like being back in my hood, you know, um, performing in Harlem. Like, I lost a lot of friends and family, so I was going to funerals during my lunch breaks. You know what I'm saying? So Tuesday, I was at this funeral. Friday, I'm at this funeral. So it's just like, I had to take everything I was going through and kind of, like, put it into Inez, my character. Um, the hardest part was going home and flipping the switch and just being super mom. You know what I'm saying? Because I had an outlet. I finally had an outlet to be able to have my moment of weakness and just kind of break down, scream, yell, cry. So it was really easy to... to it's almost therapeutic. Yeah, in a way. Because, I mean, you know, having a newborn, it's never any real time for you, you know, to think, to cry, to everything's about the baby because you already panicking. And even though you already got a kid, when you have a newborn, it just still feel different. You know, like my oldest was six when I had, you know, my youngest. So I'm like, I don't remember happening. <laughs> Is she okay? You was a pimple, oh my God. You know what I'm saying? So you so occupied in just being mom and being a superhero all the time. You don't got time to think, cry, feel, or anything, you know? So I think that it was like, yeah, it was therapeutic to be able to go on set and be weak. I always think I'm the worst actor in the world. No matter what. Yeah, it's actually, I have a bad habit, so I developed this thing on sets where someone on the set and the crew, I don't care who it is, Crafty, the grips, the director, someone has to tell me, yo, you killed it. Really? Quietly, for me to be able to sleep at night. Wow. Mm, that's, because it's, well, it's, it's insecurity, right? It's, totally. it's insecurity, and, and they say let it go, but if, if I know that I didn't hit it the way I wanted to, it's a feeling. I don't really rehearse or anything like that. I work off the actor. Reading up on you, it's like you were an actor and a comedian, and, you know, and then you hit a phase or a stage in your life where you like, drove Uber and, and worked, I believe, at Macy's maybe. Or the Macy's right? first. What was that like when you think about like, your journey of like you thought you'd pop off one way and then, you know, you figure out a way to make it about yourself and your brand. Like, what's that experience been like for you? I think um, the, the word fear is so real for me because for so long I was fearful of being me. So I had created this other persona. I created the Tabitha I thought that Hollywood wanted to see. You know, I'm from a small town in North Carolina, from Eden. 
And I'm Southern, I'm country. And so working in corporate America and then coming to the entertainment industry, I was always told I sound ignorant or you sound country, you need to cover your accent. And so I had mastered that so well that I almost forgot who I was, right? So I, I had to pretend all the time and wear my hair one way. I, I remember when I first got an agent, they were like, listen, with your skin complexion, you're gonna need to have your hair straight. So I was like, okay. And I believe that, you know, so. That was a real conversation. Oh, absolutely. Me, absolutely. Lose weight, you know, in the last five or six years, uh, coming from a dark space of being sick, I had to really get to a place where I said, you know what, God, if you heal me, you can have me. And oh, I meant amen. it. And that was almost six years ago. Mm. And in that, in, in saying that, something changed inside of me. And I no longer wanted to be in charge of me. I wanted to be who he created me to be. Surrender. And I completely surrendered, mm -hmm. submitted myself to him. Insecurity is very dangerous. We all have it, right? Mm -hmm. It's how you manage it and how you mm. let it come and go. So you have to, but you have to either channel it or control it somehow, some way. How do you use it? I can't. I did a film with Liam Neeson, my first start acting. This is what started it. And I was doing the take, and I was doing it the same every way. I didn't know, switch it up, right? So the director, he comes up to me, and he goes, uh, Damson, uh, you are doing it the same every time. When an actor does the take the same every time, uh, this makes me sad. <laughs> and then walks away. And then when we wrapped it, when we finished the movie, like, he goes, so, did you have fun? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my career's old. <laughs> no, you tortured me. The whole is <laughs> been tortured. Right? So that, that trauma always stays with you. I and, get it. I get you know, it. they say it doesn't matter how big you get, you're always trying to prove yourself. You're always trying to train. You're always trying to get better. I find now I kind of need to audition to not only prove to everyone that I could do the job, but prove to myself that I could do the job. But as you get bigger, I'm in this place now where people are like, yo, come do this. Automatic. You know? So the nerves are there, I'm walking on, people are like, yo, Damson Idris is in this. I walk on set first day, I'm like. <laughs> Everybody get a therapist. Everybody <laughs> do therapy. I think it's really, it's really important and gives you perspective. Like someone, literally what my therapist does is, she'll, she's amazing and I wish I could plug her, but I can't. <laughs> but she will lead you, she will always lead me back to myself. I'll say a bunch of crazy, you know, a bunch of things. I'm going through the things that I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And she might even just sit there and be like, now, what do you think? I'd be like, now that I said it, <laughs> there's another perspective that I have about it. And there's something nice about having that bounce board that's skilled and has the tools to bring you back to yourself. And that's what I like about the book, too. It's like you open up that chamber being vulnerable. And I think you reap a lot of dope benefits from doing that. And, and, and the more we can encourage each other to do that, I think the better. Yeah, the book have always been blown away by is that no one else in the world besides boxers will ever know the feeling of that walk from the locker room mm. to the ring. Ring walk, my favorite part Man. of sport. If you ain't mentally prepared for that, that's how you make you yourself. That's like, mm. that's a long walk. You can like, feel it in your stomach? What? You feel all that. Like, I mean, at this point now, it's like, I'm, I didn't did it so many times, so now it's like, I know what to expect. But if you, if it had been times where you get them bubble guts, yeah, you get them bubble guts, you, you, you want to turn around like, man, I'm 
this I'm gonna turn around. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, turn around. Man, Ooh, I thought man. I wanted to do this shit. This shit really ain't for me. I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I, I appreciate you can admit that because that's a human. You're oh, a human. Yeah. We all yeah. get that. No, no matter how hard how hard you train, how good you is, nothing can, can prepare you for that walk. Like, but mm. just doing it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's just going through it. It's probably the same when you go on stage. You, I was going to say that. Yeah, you might. Like, to this day, I'll be like, bloop, bloop, a little bit. Really? You know what I'm saying? Like, can I do this? Wow. To this day. I know the same for you for oh, you that, go on stage. That's stand-up, a different beast. And, and yeah. with the stand-up, like, you feel like, what if they don't even think this is funny? What if, like, exactly. you know what I'm saying? That's, like, that's what if they alive? Like, I done had that feeling, like, bro, because, like, especially if somebody rocking the crowd before you go out, oh. I'd be like, bro, I'm finna get up out of here. I don't even want to go out there. And that's hey. the same thing with boxing, because yeah. with, with it'd be, it be undercard fights, and they'll go in there and slap. Yeah. While you see you see them coming in on a stretcher. Yeah. <laughs> it's real out there. One of the main goals for each episode of The Shop is to share and learn from the unique experiences of all our guests as we curate conversations with those who are shaping culture. What I've learned is that through the journey, you know, all the hard work, the hustle, and the consistency, it's always important to celebrate your wins. So do it in style and raise a glass to toast the unforgettable moments that continue to make us who we are. Toast to your wins with a Grey Goose Martini cocktail. Check out greygoose.com for smooth-tasting recipes, and remember, sip responsibly. The Shop Podcast is presented by Grey Goose Vodka. Talking about shoe deals, yeah. you've challenged Nike, and, and keep me honest here, when you were pregnant, I think there was a situation with Nike on maternity leave. Yeah, I went through kind of a, a really dark period. Basically, um, even before I got pregnant, I was offered 70% less than what I had been previously making. Mm. And there was a lot of fear even in starting a family because what I had seen in my sport was uh, women's contracts being paused. I saw... Um, them hiding pregnancies. Uh, so when you say contracts being paused, someone gets pregnant and your sponsorship like is, wow. Yeah. Because you can't compete. Yeah. Wow, okay. And um, it said hiding in pregnancy too. Wow. Yeah, so women were hiding pregnancies. And so when I found myself in that situation, I kind of felt like, well, I think I've accomplished enough. Like at that point, yeah. I had been to four Olympics. I was a six-time Olympic champion. I was like, I think I'm safe. Like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, but, I'm me. Like, yeah. I'm like, I, I, That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. But I found myself in a very similar situation. And instead of like the financial fight, I turned my fight towards asking for maternal protections. And basically, the way that track and field contracts work is that they're performance-based. So you go to the Olympics, you get a medal, you get a bonus. Um, you don't, you get a reduction. So if you become pregnant, there's nothing in place to protect you. Wow. So I was essentially just asking um, for that. And I was actually told that I could have time for that, that um, that would be fine. But when the contract came back, there was no legal wording to tie it to pregnancy. And so that meant that it wouldn't set that precedent like, I would be okay, but all the other women that yeah. I had seen yeah. for years and years. Which is a big deal. You want to there right there, exactly. But I was terrified. You know, it's Nike. Like, of course. And, yeah. and I, we had a great relationship. I was proud of the You've been with them forever. Life. Yeah, almost a decade at that point. Wow. Um, so it was really scary. But, you know, I came forward. I left over that. But um, they changed the policy after the op-ed came out. It was about two weeks changed. Later, and now yeah. they offer 18 months of protection. That's awesome. Wow. That's, oh, that's amazing. That's a big deal, And it wasn't until I got sick and thought I was going to die 
when I, when I said it earlier, when I said, God, if you, you heal me, you can have me, that meant mm -hmm. now I got to start showing up as the real tab because it's exhausting to show up as somebody else every day that's not the real you. And God can't give you what he want to give you if you ain't you, right? So I had to get to that place. And when I started showing up as me, I was very afraid. Mm. Allison, I, w I wanted to ask you, you are, I believe, the most, by medals, the most decorated track athlete ever, correct? Female. Okay, can we, can we at least, <laughs> let's talk that out, that's crazy. Right? Was, was every win as important as each one, like every medal? That's a good question. I feel like at each point in my life, I was like learning something new. And so I was still passionate, they were so important, but they were all different. Like my last Olympics was my fifth Olympics, my first as a mother, and I won a bronze individually, a gold with a relay, and that bronze medal, I think it means more than any gold wow. because it was like overcoming all the adversity, like being a representation for women, for mothers, like it just, it was everything. You know, I got to do it in my shoes that my company made. So it was wow. like full circle, all the things. Where do you yeah. keep your medals at, brother? Uh, my parents keep them. Yeah. The I've never been into like the medals, but you know, yeah. they, parents, they like to brag and bring them out and all that mm -hmm. stuff. I'd, I'd have mine on during the show. Like <laughs> <laughs> jewelry? For sure. Like jewelry, B? For sure. I'm That's like, sorry, T, what were you saying? I'm sorry, we'll to the side. That's the New York in you, For sure. Can you see the crowd when you're tumbling, flipping, 100%. And, and that's something like, I haven't been able to recreate that feeling ever since. It is a drug, right? So like, I'm there and I love feeling the energy's crowd, like the crowd's energy. And so it kind of gives me life for sure. And that's how, like the routine that went viral, I could feel everyone zoned in. Not a single other person was going during the meet. And everyone was just like, captivated. And I, when it was silent, it was silent. And when it was loud, it was loud. And you heard it during the routine? During the routine, yeah. I know your wife also manif manifested it, right? She yeah, was... she manifested it. How did your wife manifest? She told um, me, I was gonna, I, we, would, we would watch Curb Enthusiasm. We loved the show. And we would watch it all the time. And I said, I would love to be on this show one day. And she said, you're gonna be on that show one day. I can see you and Larry together. Wow. And it just was this thing that was supposed to happen in that way. Mm. So you believe in manifesting or was it moving? Everything that happened to me right now, I've manifested. Love that. That's I saw you talking about every... literally your car. You said you used to walk to work. I've... Nine months, you just used to walk to work. I, when been... I was a kid, I said I want two vehicles as my dream car. Being a girl from poverty growing up, yeah. I said I wanted an X6. Because in Jamaica, X6 and Beamer is like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want an X6 and I want a Lambo. I got both. Manifestation, that was one thing that yeah. I did a lot. I journaled a lot and I wrote a lot of things. Um, and one thing that I saw on Facebook today, 11 years ago, today I wrote something like, uh, I hear six, gun uh, six gunshots out my window while I'm trying to sleep. No wonder why I run from bullets in my dreams. And I said, like, um, all I could see is my Brooklyn residency. No wonder why, like, Sunset Boulevard seems so far from me. Oh, wow. But now when I did Swarm, Literally, my face was everywhere in Hollywood. It had the biggest billboard on Sunset Boulevard. And I wrote this uh, when dope. I was in East New York being like, damn, the bullets. The bullet I'm working at the movie theater, have to work on Friday nights and, and come home Man. from Manhattan um, to East New York at like four o'clock in the morning, cold and being like, this is 
actually dangerous, but I can't mm-hmm. yeah. I can't even think about that because I have to do it anyway. And just remember me like, oh, I can't wait till one day I'm going to be on the screen. I'm going to be, you know, yeah. and I just put a lot of energy towards that. Mike, if, if there's one thing that you could tell young Mike, that nine-year-old, yeah. what would it be? What is going to work? Oh, boy, it's going to work in a big way. Boy, you're going to have a big house. You're going to have all the old school cars you ever wanted. Boy, fine women going to come to your show. Your girl going to be so hot. Like, it's hard to convince a child something's impossible. Mm. And I it's believe It's hard to convince that a child that something's, something's impossible. impossible. That's true. Yeah, it's hard. To, you can't convince a child that, that, they, can't. that they can't fly. Right. Otherwise, you don't have the right brothers. So just eliminate the impossibility and let the child figure it out. Yeah. Let the child fall. Let them stumble. Let them, let them have to figure it out. But encourage. My mother didn't put me in the studio. She just said, yeah, you want to be a rapper? Get you a rapper. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was only 16 years older than me. She was like, nah, you can be a rapper. So when I got the opportunity, I didn't think it was impossible. I, I thought possible. So that nine-year-old kid, I'm just going to say, you know, don't stop. But don't turn down opportunities to do other things. Right. You know, don't turn down the opportunity to learn to do something else. Even if you aren't the best at it, you've been exposed to it. Straight and that's up. a beautiful thing. There's nothing more beautiful than a, than a well-traveled human being. So, so in the beginning, it was, I was very fearful. So if you go back and look at like all my old videos, cause I, I cooked live every day at five o'clock. That was like, I, I made it like a job. I wasn't making no money. Listen, I would be cooking live some days. I would cry cause I'd be like, the Lord said thousands of minutes is 33 people on here, you know? And my husband, you would never see him, but you would hear him. And he'd be like, man, you got them people looking in our kitchen doing these videos. And I'm like, I'm trying to be obedient to what the Lord has told me to do. That would have been me too, 100%. I mean, now that you've retired him, he could have shut <laughs> no, but listen. back then, I was telling me like, man, you bring all these people. Hey, look, after the first check came, he was like, don't you need to do one of them videos today? <laughs> right. Almost 5 o'clock, ain't it? Right. Almost 5 o'clock. I roll it up, I put it on my back, Randy picks me up. Randy's in a... Cut to me and Jay chilling, drinking chilling. Yeah, mimosas and stuff. Right. Yeah. Mimosas and like... Yo, what time's this kid gonna get here? <laughs> Randy pulls up in a two-seater Benz. The painting is huge. Huge. Bro. I have to stick it out. It's hanging out it's the, 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 the little back, the little triangle window, yeah, right? <laughs> we drive it over there. I'm nervous as hell. First know, person I see you in the house. It's hanging out. It's, it's a baby mama Benz. Okay, okay, but so. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's We're, hilarious. The painting is longer than the car. Yes, it's huge. <laughs> the painting <laughs> is longer had than the car. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> first person I see in the house is B, and she's in the kitchen just chilling, eating a salad. That threw you off. Bruh, of course. come on, <laughs> come on. So now I'm, I'm tightening up, I'm chilling. We didn't know each other, but I knew of, the, you know, obviously, the, you know, the whole squad. The only person I had met was Randy and Rich at the time. So we get out there, again, it's Jay. Jay, Jay don't have no shoes on. Jay's he's, chilling, he's at home. lounging, he's super comfortable. Home. We're at the pool, we're sitting yep, at the pool. Yep, yep. And so he's like, you know, we talk for a minute and I kind of tell him, the inspiration behind the piece. And he's like, yo, that shit is dope. He's you like, unrolled it. Yeah, and I... And the only thing I'm thinking of, I'm like, it's a dope piece. But how is he going to roll that back up by himself? <laughs> right. I was just like... By himself. I mean, I'm not helping him. <laughs> not, not my problem. <laughs> I checked the account balance, right? So we go in. I have uh, my guy, Jetson, who, who produced the song, Shook. He met us at the studio. And this is the first song that I do that day. If you check out, you know, the words to the hook of the song is... Uh, 
I just signed a deal, I'm on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's yeah, what that we was all my love. mortgage. Well, yeah, y'all, it's up I'm now. On. Yeah, yeah, now nah, I'm in it. I checked the account balance, right? So we go in. I have uh, my guy Jetson, who, who for two minutes and however many seconds that song is, I literally was just, you know, when I say, uh, don't make me go hit the bank and check uh, and uh, take out a hundred to show you my pockets was different. The day before, I couldn't have went to the bank and <laughs> took out a hundred. The second I could talk to him, I talked it. So the, the callback was basketball. So I was like, man, I'm about to go crazy in this basketball. <laughs> I got this. Nobody could dunk, nobody yeah. could even do no kind of real hooping at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So I was in there, literally like you see in the movie, punking mugs. I'm from Chicago, so I was a little rough, you know, in there, right? And especially that time in my life, I'm probably more incorrigible than, <laughs> than the rest of everybody, uh, influenced by my, you know, in my Chicago uh -huh. environment. Uh -huh. So, man, I'm talking about, I'm taking off. Boom, pushing <laughs> And so, like, when I'm playing a boom, and I'm pushing on the ground and stuff. Literally, Jeff Pollock, who was the director, rest in peace, he came running on the stage, mm. literally. This is how I found out I got the role, right? He ran on the stage, like say you me, he ran on stage. The director ran on stage, you got this, you got this, you got this. Then I leave, man, and I'm on the A train in New York, and I'm going home like, man, this is the 90s, ain't no, ain't no, like, I, yeah, you know, all this, all this crazy I can't wait to tell my, like, my OG, I'm gonna tell my mom what's going on, and, uh, my mom received it like, oh, okay. <laughs> and show me a movie mug. You can talk, but show me a movie. I came in the league when I was 19. I had $151 in my bank account as a college student. Wow. I declared for the draft, got an agent. The agent offered me 100,000 upfront money. Right? Luckily, I had two parents who right. was like, that's too damn much. <laughs> right? But they said 25,000, cool. Right? So you know what happened? I was at Wake, right, in Winston. I went to the bank right up the street just so I could see what uh, the statement looked like, <laughs> yeah. right? Because yeah. we, we young, we don't, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. We ain't never had no money like this. Yeah. I went and got the statement that said 25,151. <laughs> <laughs> right there, though. No education came along with it, mm -hmm. right? First thing I did, I went to the mall. Of course. Took my girl to the mall, Jay Gray and his girl. Went to the mall, we went to the... We went to the clothing store. We went to the clothing store. I said, everybody get you something. <laughs> right? I remember I got my first check. It was How crazy. It was like, I, I was grown at this point. I was like 20, but I hadn't seen that kind of money before. <laughs> um, and it was like, you know, I got like, it was like maybe $130,000 in a check or something like that. And it was just crazy. And it was like this car that I really wanted, you know, like, I, and it was just like, that was the only thing that was on my mind. Like I have to get this car. And you know, I didn't have credit, I didn't have anything. I walked into the dealership with a duffel bag full of money yeah. and just set it on the counter. Like here is, is an exact amount for how much the car costs. And then they, they counted all the out. And I'm sitting there watching them count it out. And then I, I drove off the lot and I was broke. So I had my car. But you had your car. What do you do like to keep your this this part like tight like that? I don't know. I'm always like training. My, so my getting my senses and I'm realizing wow. what's going on. Yeah. All that shit is experience. No great fighter has 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 fought and, and been great and not been hurt. Of course. Yeah. You know, it's all experience. That's what I love. You put shit. that's the difference in boxing and every other sport. Why I love boxing most like you some other sports like a, a, a fuck-up for Tom Brady is called an interception. Yeah. A fuck-up for a boxer is you sleep. you sleep. Like, if Tom Brady missed throwing a pass, the intercepted, he go to the side and figure it Absolutely. out. If you don't get back on the telephone and you hear instead of here, 
just yeah. lights out. That putting that on the line is a whole it's a whole different, different story. That's yeah. a whole yeah. different mindset. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, embarrassment. Like if Steph Curry and LeBron miss a shot in the fourth, they messed that up. Yeah. They, they threw a turnover. But if I'm going in a room, you know, for a movie, a TV show, my rule of thumb is this: I go in big. I go in big. You know why? Always... When you go big and they tell you, oh, that was great, pull back a little bit. Everybody knows how to pull back a little bit. Good one. But you go in low and they say, you don't know how, how much. Now you're doing so much that they're like, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Shop Uninterrupted. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to the show. For full video episodes, check out Uninterrupted's YouTube channel. And for weekly show updates, follow the shop Uninterrupted on social media. You're listening to The Shop Podcast, presented by Grey Goose Vodka. Whether it's a dinner party for 10 or a small kickback, you know the vibes will always be right if you're surrounded by your favorite people. And great company pairs best with a great cocktail. So make it a Grey Goose Martini cocktail. Impress your guests in style with an espresso martini or the always effortless classic martini with a lemon twist. No matter what you decide, everyone can appreciate the smooth, delicate taste that only a Grey Goose vodka martini can provide. For more info on how to craft a vodka-based cocktail, visit greygoose.com and remember to always sip responsibly. Sip responsibly. www.responsibledrinking.org 2024, Grey Goose. Its trade dress and the geese device are trademarks. Imported by Grey Goose Importing Company, Coral Gables, Florida. Vodka, 40% alcohol by volume. Distilled from French wheat.